So we're gonna we're gonna continue on with um, what I started last week. You know, um, true teachers, really. And um, you know, we talked about the characteristics. We came up from First Timothy last week, um, and and I talked about it being the pastoral epistles with First Timothy, Second Timothy, and the Book of Titus. So we're gonna start from the Book of Titus today, right? Uh, but the one thing I didn't mention last week was uh, Timothy talks about the bishop. And that Greek word is uh, episcopal, right? Which means overseer, but it also means one who is caring for others, right? So not just necessarily someone that's in charge, but the one that cares for others. Because if you're called into the ministry or if you're teaching, like so, we as we know those that come on Wednesday, you know, we pretty much alternate the teaching on Wednesday. So if you're teaching, you should be reading the pastoral epistles, right? If you're called to be a deacon, you should be reading the pastoral epistles. Because it talks about, you know, not only the qualities, but the, the government, the administration in the church, and really what's supposed to be taught. And it's funny because I had a conversation with, uh, I actually had quite a few conversations this week, but one, one particular person, and this person was telling me, you know, we were talking about church and they're basically giving me a reason why they're not going to church, right? And saying that, uh, you know, well, we're the church, we're called out by the believers. And I say, yeah, I get that, we're the ecclesia. And, and, and that is true. However, that's not the full story, right? Because Paul went from house to house, right? They, they preached in churches, right? And, and one, one thing I explained to this person is, if that was the case, why would Paul, why would the Lord have instructed Paul to write the pastoral epistles, right? Because it talks about the government within the church. So, and really, it's something that all Christians should read, because it's not just applied to leaders, but there are messages in there for the church, Christians as a whole. Amen? Amen. Alright, so before we get started on Titus, um, just real quick, uh, so we're going to talk about, we mentioned last week about elders, right? So elders here is Presbyterians in the Greek, so it means a mature man having seasoned judgment, an elder, a person of age, or one who is a rank and office. So, it is a position in the church, but it also denotes in the Bible where this is where we have to have sound doctrine and be able to discern because it also talks about someone who's older, right? And even in the book of Titus, it talks about what the older man and the older woman is supposed to do. What, what, what are their roles within the church, right? It's not just to come and just sit there, and, but the older woman and the older men do have a role. It's to teach the younger man and the younger woman. Why? Because... They have wisdom. So I remember from my time in Iraq, uh, when you go into the villages, they will have, you, you will have the tribes, but you will have someone that was senior, someone that was older, that, that was the elder of the village, right? So it's not necessarily someone that's the strongest, right? Because they're all older. But it's someone who has wisdom, someone who has experience, someone who's been battle tested, right? So now the younger ones can go to this person for advice. For, for guidance and things like that. So we wonder, so for those that know Geno Jennings, he talks about a lot of times with uh, young women and how they dress when they come into church, right? When they come with their miniskirts, he's pretty abrupt, so he calls them prostitutes and other names like that, right? But he talks about how they should be dressed in modest apparel, right? And, but that is the job of the older women to do that. But we've kind of lost track of that in the church because the last few churches I've been in, that doesn't happen. Right? The women just come in just as they are, 
And it's not up to the uh, job of the pastor to just come say something to, the, to that young female, but it's the job of the older women to come in and, and say something and teach them and guide them. Amen? Amen. Amen. So, all right, so, before we read again, all right, so, Titus, Paul, Paul, Titus was a contemporary Paul. Paul calls him uh, a fellow worker, right, his partner. So what people don't realize is Titus, Timothy, and Epaphroditus, they were also apostles, right? So apostle is someone who, who is sent, but sent with a special message, right? So that's what Titus was, and that's what Titus was here to the island of Crete. So Titus, well, Paul, the apostle Paul knew and understood Titus because he worked with them. When Paul was having issues with the Corinthian church, he sent Titus there. Titus delivered... The, uh, his second letter to the Corinthian church. Titus also went to the Corinthian church to uh, collect money, right? So he wasn't going to send just anybody, but he sent someone who he can trust. Titus was not a Jew. He was a Gentile, right? He first shows up, yes, he's in the book of in 2 Corinthians, but he also, he basically shows up on scene in Galatians chapter 2, where he accompanies Paul and Barnabas to Jerusalem. We read that before in the book of Acts. Uh, excuse me, in Galatians, we read that before uh, a couple weeks ago. But Paul instructed Timothy and Titus. He passed things down. And that's really what was the job of the elders. The elders here, it's not a New Testament principle. It's actually an Old Testament principle. See, Ronald Reagan had a quote years ago where he said this. He said, a nation is one generation away from extinction. Right? So we know as long as this earth is here, the church will never be extinct. However, the church is one generation away from apostasy, right? We see that. What I always say, if you want to look at the church and the behavior and the characteristics of the church, look back at Israel. That's what happened with Israel. Because all of Israel did not see the miracles that God performed, right? So what actually happened was, um, actually before we go to Titus, let's turn to uh, uh, Judges chapter 2. Actually, go to Deuteronomy chapter 6 first. So what happened was there was a generation that failed to do their duty, right? And what God was commanding them. And what's happening over the years recently with the churches, the leaders have failed to do their duties. Actually, all Christians have failed to do their duties. This is why we have so many different denominations and things like that. Alright, Deuteronomy chapter 6, beginning at verse 1. Now this is the commandment. And these are the statutes and judgments which the Lord your God has commanded to teach you that you may observe them in the land which you are crossing over to possess. So here they, this is the message that they're getting because now they, 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 they left Egypt and the Lord doesn't want them to forget what he did. Why? Because there's coming a generation which were not witnesses to what God did in their deliverance from Egypt. Verse 2, that you may fear the Lord to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you, you and your son and your grandson, all the days of your life, and that your days may be prolonged. Therefore, hear, O Israel, and be careful to observe it, that it may be well with you, and that you may multiply greatly as the Lord God of your fathers has promised you, a land flowing with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. 
You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, we know that they didn't do that, right? And we say a lot of times, we love the Lord God with all our heart, all our soul, right? But is that truly the case in our lives, right? So, for instance, my wife knew I was watching the uh, uh, basketball game yesterday, players for the Hawks yesterday. And then what would have happened if the Lord told me to get up and go spend time with him? And then I didn't do it. Can I say that I truly love the Lord with all my heart, all my soul? Or did I put basketball before him? Right? Now, he didn't tell me to do that. I spent time with him beforehand, so don't get confused. But, you know, I'm just saying and all that because sometimes we can get bombarded with things. You know, we can call our friends or we can just go out to the store, go shopping and do different things. And the Lord is trying to get us to spend time with them. Right, and, and that's truly how we grow, by spending time with them. Alright, verse 6. In these words which I command you today shall be in your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children, and shall talk to them, shall talk of them, when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, when you lie down, and when you rise up. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontless between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gate. So this sounds like something that should have been important to them, right? Something that they should have kept in the family, right? So one thing, I think my, my wife, well, my wife mentioned it on, on a Wednesday one time that how we used to go back and forth because I said it wasn't the church's job to teach our children. It was our job first and foremost, right? And part of my reason for that is because I've been in churches where People being back there teaching the kids, and they don't even know what they're teaching, right? Because they just follow the lesson plan, and that lesson plan is not even scriptural, right? And there's been times where my kids have corrected the teacher in those instances. Some received it, some didn't, right? They didn't want to be corrected by a young person, right? But the word is the word, Amen. right? I don't argue with it, and even with the uh, conversation I had with somebody this week, and, and others in the past where they always tell me about what they've been taught. Don't tell me about what you've been taught. Tell me about what the Word says. Mm. Alright? Because you can be taught a lot of things. As we've seen on those videos a couple weeks ago, they were they were taught a lot of things. Right? And, and, and then the funny part is, some of the ministers that he was naming were some of the ones I talked about. Right? So, that's why it's important for us to get in the Word. Alright. Uh, let's Let's go to Judges chapter 2. So just like I said, we can be one generation away from apostasy. This is what Israel was. They were a generation from apostasy because the elders failed them. Alright, Judges chapter 2. Uh, beginning at verse seven. So the people, <clears throat> excuse me. So the people served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders who outlived Joshua, who had seen all the great works of the Lord, which He had done for Israel. Now Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died, and when he was one hundred and ten years old, and they buried him within the border of his inheritance at Timnath Hereth, in the mountains of Ephraim, on the north side of Mount Gesh. When all the generation had been gathered to their fathers, another generation arose after them who did not know the Lord, nor the work which he had done for Israel. 
So here we see that the elders failed to protect what God had told them to do in Deuteronomy. All right, verse 11. Then the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and served the Baals. So why did they do evil? Because they didn't know the Lord. They didn't know the Lord like the generation before them in Joshua because that generation failed. Those leaders failed. So they started to get into idol worship. Started following the other nations. Uh, let's see, verse 12. And they forsook the Lord God of their fathers who have brought them out of the land of Egypt and they followed other gods from among the gods of the people who were all around them. And they bowed down to them and they provoked the Lord to anger. They forsook the Lord and served Baal and Asherah. So what's interesting is that some of these other nations, when you read in the Old Testament, some of these other nations knew of the works of the Lord. But here, Israel didn't. Right? So that's a shame and that's an indictment on them. That, that, that shouldn't have happened. But that can happen today too if the elders and the leaders in the church don't stick to sound doctrine. Alright, so let's go back to uh, Titus. So, Titus here is on the island of Crete, alright? So, Titus and Timothy both had huge tasks ahead of them. Because Timothy is in Ephesus, which is a big city. Here's Titus on the island of Crete, which Paul left him there. So, island of Crete is actually, you would think it would probably be pretty small, but it's actually made up of about 20, 40 cities, right? And it's about 3,200 square miles around. So, Titus had a big task because the reason why Paul left them there is because the church started getting into false doctrine, right? And, and the island of Crete, their uh, mythology was pretty big there. So what they started to do is mix the mythology in with their Christian learnings. And it became false doctrine. And then also, the Jewish Christians came and started putting yokes of bondage on the Gentiles. Someone like Titus, they would put a yoke of bondage and say, well, hey, in order for you to serve God properly, you have to obey these Jewish laws. Mm -hmm. Right? So, that is the reason, that's another reason why Paul established Titus there to establish elders so they can uphold the true doctrine. Right? So, in the scriptures, doctrine is mentioned about 50 times. Sound doctrine is mentioned at least 17 times. So, it has to be important on why God will have the writers of the Bible mention doctrine and sound doctrine. Because he doesn't want us to get him off in the false teaching, just like we saw a few weeks ago, right? And we've seen thousands of Christians being deceived. And even some Christians today that may be in, you know, where they may not be all flavored like that, but um, they just don't know true doctrine, right? And again, this is why we have all these different denominations, right? Because generation of elders have failed, right? But God is raising up a people in these end times to restore Christians back to the true word, the true foundation. All right, so let's go to, all right, so Titus 1, beginning at uh, verse 5, and I'll probably comment as I read. For this reason I left you in Crete, that you should set in order the things that are lacking. So that word lacking there, the things that have been forsaken, right? The things that have been pushed aside, right? And appoint elders in every city. So remember what I said, there was at least 20 to 40 cities. So Titus had to go to all these cities to appoint elders there. 
And it, was, and it also would create, it was very mountainous. So he had a tall task ahead of him. Alright, so uh, appoint elders in every city as I commanded you. Verse 6, if a man is blameless, the husband of one wife, having faithful children, not accused of dis dissipation or insubordination. Real quick, so blame doesn't mean you're going to be perfect, right? Blameless doesn't mean you're going to be per perfect, but there's going to be a consistency in you. Alright, so basically you should not be accused, be able to be accused of anything wrongdoing, right? So I think I used testimony before in reference to Fred Price to say people are not going to say you're going to see Fred somewhere where he's not supposed to be, right? That's how it should be for all believers, truth be told. Alright, uh, verse 7. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God. So what does a steward mean? It means a manager, right? A, a manager of God's house. It also can be a manager of the talents and the gifting that God has given us, right? So we should not just bury it, just sit there, but and understand the gifting and the talents that we have that God has given us, it's not for us. It's to be used for other people, right? A lot of times what we do is, a lot of people want especially the gifts of the Spirit, they want to use it just to be seen. But it's to, it's not really us to get in the limelight, but it's for people to be delivered and healed and for God to be working through it. Like we focus sometimes on, um, you know, people throughout the Bible, whether it's the three Hebrew boys, Daniel and the lion's den, and we focus on them. And then we're like, man, look at the faith that they have. I have that faith. And I, and I listen to people talk sometimes, and it's like, it's not really faith what you're doing because you don't know until you're being battle tested, right? And sometimes it's, it's like you could train the soldier up and they can think they're ready until the midst, they get in the midst of the war zone and shots stop being going and wounds them by your head, then what? You're going to freeze, right? I've seen that in the midst with, with police officers, right? They go through a full academy, they train, they think they're ready, and they go out there until it's time to go hands-on and then they freeze, right? That's how some people are when it comes to the Christian faith, right? Whether they be missionaries or people say, well, I'm willing to die. This. Well, yeah, keep talking until you have a gun pointed at you. And then see how strong your faith is, right? The faith is when you're still willing to die through it, right? Actually, let's turn to Daniel real quick. Daniel chapter 3. Serve your gods, 
nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. See, even to the, uh, the chapter on faith in Hebrews chapter 11, we look at everybody, right? We read all that. But when we go into the end and we see how they were sore in half, right? That's the faith part because they were willing to die, right? When they were thrown in the lion's den, they were willing to die. That's the faith. So whether God answers our prayers or not, <laughs> he's still God. See, sometimes we as Christians, we, we put the premises on God saying, well, he's God if he answers my prayer. No, he's God whether we get our prayers answered or not. Amen. Yeah. And that is the faith part. Because the faith is going through it when you're not getting your prayers answered. Mm. Right? So, yeah, but what we hear today is not that. It is, hey, he's got this for you. He's got this for you. He's got this for you. But that's not true faith. That's not true faith. Amen. Amen. All right. Uh, all right. So I talked about stewards. Right. For, I begin. I'll, I'll read verse seven again. For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God. So First Peter four and ten says this. You don't have to turn it. I'm sorry. I didn't give y'all a chance to turn back to Titus. I'm sorry. Turn back to Titus. <laughs> all right. So verse 7 says in Titus chapter 1, For a bishop must be blameless as a steward of God. So 1 Peter 4.10 says this, As each one has received a special gift, employ it serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So understand, the gift thing is not just for us, right? We, we, but we're to employ it for other people, right? We, we, we should never be Christians that just come and sit, right? But we should always be at work. Always be looking. Have our antennas up. Listen to the Lord wherever we go. Alright, verse... I'm sorry, still verse 7. Not self-willed, not quick-tempered, not given to wine, not violent, not greedy for money, but hospitable. Right? Oh, that's a good one right there. Hospitable, right? So, <laughs> yeah, a lot, of, a lot of pastors now, they don't want you at their house. Right? They don't want you at their house and... They're going to make it a point to make sure you don't know where they live at. Right? <laughs> it's the truth, right? Because I've been in churches like that. You know, fortunately, I was a part of leadership, so I knew. But I, I knew other people, and they weren't willing to welcome them in. Welcome them in to their house, right? That shouldn't be because the scripture said we should be hospitable, right? That word hospitable means generous to guests, right? We should be able to welcome people into the house. And I'm not just saying that because we're here. <laughs> Alright, a love of what is good, sober-minded, just, holy, self-controlled, holding fast a faithful word as he has been taught, that he may be able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convict those who contradict. That is the job of an elder, right? Or even a Christian minister, right? If you call and you feel yourself teaching, that is your job. This is why it's important for us to understand the pastoral epistles. Alright, verse 10, for men... For, for there are many insubordinate, both idle talkers and deceivers, especially those of the circumcision, whose mouths must be stopped, who subvert whole households, teaching things which they ought not for the sake of dishonest gain. Uh, let me go because I don't have, I want 12. Alright, verse 12. One of them, a prophet of their own, said, Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, lazy gluttons. This testimony is true. Therefore, rebuke them sharply. 
that they may be sound in the faith, not giving heed to Jewish fables and commandments of men who turn from the truth. So that word fable there is talking about the myth. That's what I was talking about, the mythology. Right? That's what that word means there. So understand, Titus had, again, a tough task here because even when he, these churches today, even in Corinth and uh, the church here in, um, in Crete, it, it, it's talking about, because understand that in Corinth, they were focusing on spiritual gifts, right? They were focusing on spiritual gifts, and this is why Paul established these pastoral epistles and governing orders, because what were they doing? They were out of control with the spiritual gifts, right? Everyone had to give a prophetic word. Everyone had to speak in tongues. And they were just all over the place. And Paul was saying, this shouldn't be, right? I, I will question someone that every time they come here, they have a prophetic word, right? God is not talking to you that much, right? God didn't talk to Jeremiah that much, right? Well, even when the people went to Jeremiah and asked for a word, this was after the invasion of Babylon, Jeremiah still had to go into prayer. For 10 days. He didn't just have a word right there because God was speaking. Right? But it's something when somebody always has a prophetic word. That shouldn't be. Mm -hmm. that, that shouldn't be. So that should be a red flag to you. If somebody's always coming, <coughs> the same person, That's God bless you, always has a prophetic word. God ain't talking to you that much. Maybe they got Jesus on the main line. church was dealing with the spiritual gifts and the church at Crete, they were unruly people. Right? So it was there, Paul established these letters there for structure. Right? Structure. For it to be organized. Right? So it's still room for the move of the spirit, but it shouldn't be total chaos. Right? And it shouldn't be so structured that there's no room for the spirit to move. Right? Because there are churches like that. They stick to with the order of the service. They stick to it, boom, 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 boom. And they, they don't allow room for the spirit to move. That, that shouldn't be neither. Alright. So, Paul's letter to Titus was to the elders in Crete, which would help with the taking care of the church, church government, and the things to be taught in church. The, Titus clearly tells us, Titus and Timothy tells us what should be taught in church. We'll get to that later on. Alright, so why is it important for the church to know these scriptures? Right? So, it is important for every Christian believer to know these scriptures. Right? So, number one, Christians should read the pastoral epistles because 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says this. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So, that man of God is not just the pastor. Right? So that is for every Christian, for us to be complete in that. So from Genesis to Revelation has been inspired by God, even Leviticus, right? Because I, I know that's a boring book. <laughs> but if you read Leviticus, it will help you to understand Hebrews a lot more. All right, so number two, why is doctrine important? Doc, doctrine is important because what happens is this. I've heard that. Pastors, they will say, you know, don't get caught up in doctrine. Doctrine is not important. Um, all that matters is that someone is saved. What well, I have talked to you already how many times doctrine is mentioned in the Bible. Paul mentions it. This is where I, Paul sent Titus 
well, left Titus in Crete, while he sent Timothy to Ephesus, uh, while he sent Epaphroditus to the Philippian church. Why? For doctrine. To make sure people don't get out of order and people stay in good doctrine. And if Paul was inspired to write by the Holy Spirit, how can we say doctrine is not important? So as long as false teachings are being taught and people are turning away from believing the truth, we need to hear the pastoral's warning that faulty doctrine is a serious matter for all the church. The pastoral epistle reminds us that right beliefs matter. Alright, and I talked about already how, because I read from the Old Testament, that it's not a New Testament principle in reference to the elders and, and, and establishment, because we know that um, Moses' father-in-law told him to get elders to help him out. Right? It can't be a one-man show, neither. So, the pastor should not be doing everything, or one or two people should not be doing every, any, uh, everything within the church, but it actually, it should be everybody in the church. Amen. So, I read those scriptures there, so we can skip over that. Alright, so, another reason is this, the church and the local church matters. If, if your church matters to you, then the pastoral letters will matter to you. The health and proper functioning of the church is the focus of the pastoral letters. So, when I talk about uh, Timothy and Titus, it is for the health of the church overall. And when I go back and when we get there later on, um, in reference to what they're teaching, we can see why the things, like I said before that, the church is the way it is. Because we lost focus and we lost track of what's supposed to be taught in the church. And now we've gotten into the self-help, seeker-friendly messages. And what are self-help messages? <laughs> Five ways to get closer to God. Uh, seven ways to develop your anointing. Ten ways to grow your ministry. All that is self-help. Right? God gives us a blueprint on how we're supposed to do things. Right? It's, it's not going out there through social media and trying to... And like I said before, they got books on how to grow ministries and things like that, that's not of God. That's not of God. Because the church is supposed to grow as Jesus wants it to grow. Amen. All right. So Paul had previously written to the same church Timothy was now overseeing, which was Ephesus. He told the church that the role of church leaders was to equip church members for the work of the ministry. Uh, we read that uh, last week from Ephesians 4, 11 to 12. Therefore, the church's ministry to, ministry to care for the needs of its members, especially the poor and the widow, belongs to the members, not just to the pastors. All right. So and we, we saw this before when Paul went to Jerusalem in Acts and James told him to take care of the poor. Right. That was one of the things. And that's what we're supposed to do also as a church. We're supposed to take care of the poor. Right? Not only poor out there, but those poor people who are also within the church. Right? Because everybody in the church is not going to be rich. Right? Despite what this health and wealth people are saying, everybody in the church is not going to be rich. Right? But, because you don't need to have rich. Actually, we're rich if we have a relationship with Christ. Amen. And we trust Amen. Him for everything. Because yes. He will work everything out. Yes. Alright, further, every member has a role in maintaining the unity of the church by avoiding divisive arguments and behavior. So there's another thing that Pastor All teaches. Alright, so 1 Timothy 5 and 19. 
imagine. Uh, 
Titus chapter 3, verse 9 through 11. But avoid foolish disputes, genealogy, contentions, and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and useless. Reject a divisive man after the first and second admonition, knowing that such a person is warped and sinning, being self-condemned. So we're not to sit up there and continue to argue and continue to, to try to convince someone who's being divisive. Right. Just reject them. Actually, the, you know, but even the person that was sending in uh, the Corinthian church, Paul told him to put him out. Right. And then once he once he repents, welcome back in. Okay. I know it's hard, but there's a reason for it. Right. So we don't get caught up in junk and nonsense. And it's the truth of God's word. Timothy and Titus to remind them. And, uh, let's turn real quick to 2 Timothy 2 4. 2 14, excuse me. So he's telling Timothy, remind them of these things, charging them before the Lord, not to strive about words to no profit, to the ruin of hearers. And he tells Titus the same thing in 3 and 1. He says to remind them. He meant to remind them, the church members which is all of us, right? To put them in remembrance of all these things here. Not, not, ju not just the leaders, but everyone. Alright, so what? In pastoral epistles, we are reminded that we all must behave rightly. Right? So Titus chapter 3 again. Shoot, I, look, I don't even have to talk about what, what, what should be taught in church because it's right here in Titus.
so understand this, and I'll close with this, but, you know, we have to understand that it is important for us to maintain sound doctrine, right, and understand what Paul wrote to Timothy and Titus, right, actually, you know, the whole Bible itself, but we see what happened with Israel, right, we see what happened with Israel when the whole generation failed the next generation, right, this is why it's important for us to teach our young people, right? So, Simeon cannot rely on his parents for, really, for his experience with the Lord, right? He's got to have his own experience with the Lord, right? That, that's important because, yeah, he can talk about what mom and dad did, but you got to have your own walk, your own experience with God, right? And, and, and that's important. And as he grows, he begins to mature. Now, y'all there to keep him on line, keep him on track, even as parents. So, Y'all have jobs as well as parents, right? And we all do as parents. And, and that is the role as parents for us to teach our young ones, to, to, to keep them. Now, they may not always want to hear what we have to say, you know, but it's the truth. But later on, as they grow older, they will realize, I didn't always want to have to hear what my parents said, right? But as I get older, as I have my own kids, I, I get it now, right? I get it. But it's to keep us all, really, to keep from making mistakes, right? Because even in Revelations uh, 2 and 2, it talks about there being false apostles out there, right? So we don't get tripped up with those things. That's why we have to know the Word, and we have to know the Word for ourselves, and we have to walk with God and have our own encounter, our own experience with Him. And if we don't have that experience with Him, we don't have that encounter, then we will be in danger of falling off, Right? Because it is the Word and it is the Spirit as well, right? And the Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. And the Holy Spirit is going to bring us back into remembrance of His Word. Right? This is why I always say when people say, well, no, I don't have to go to church. Well, that ain't what the Bible says. So you can't tell me. And they'll literally say the Holy Spirit is telling them that. Say, that ain't the Holy Spirit telling you that. Because it's right here in the Word over and over. How are we supposed to be? Right? And, and, it, and it's not just forsaking the assembly, because it's, it's quite often throughout the New Testament. Right? Paul gives reference to that. James gives reference to that. John gives reference to that. Right? But we have to be on guard. And in order for us to be on guard, is we have to get in the Word ourselves. Right? We have to get in the Word. We have to be in the Word daily. We have to feed ourselves. We, we can't, it's like Marie, you prayed this morning, we can't be babies anymore and be spoon-fed. And it's like I talked about the person uh, that I had a conversation with. Is, you know, don't tell me about what you've been taught. Mm -hmm. What have you read? Right? What, what have you read? Because you're telling me something. It's one thing you're going to tell me what you've been taught and you have scripture to back it up. But if you, have, you don't have scripture to back it up, then you just have somebody's opinion. Mm -hmm. Right? But it's the word of God that matters. And guess what? We don't have to argue the word of God. Right? So, I, you know, and it's just like I told her, well, I'm not going to sit up and argue with you. It's, it's in the word. You, you, you can read it yourself. You know, it's not it's not Hassan telling you this, but it's, it's the Bible. Right? So, I take the Bible as the word of God, from Genesis to Revelation. So, if, if we're going to say it's the word of God, then we have to treat it as the word of God. Yes, Amen? Yes. Amen. So, I'll stop there. All right. Uh, let's pray. Yes, Jesus. Thank you, Father God.